Buddha's brain explains how world-changing thought leaders like Moses, Muhammad, Jesus, Gandhi and the Buddha altered their brains with the power of their minds and how you can use the latest findings of neuroscience to do the same and become a more powerful, positive, resilient, mindful and happy person. Three very practical lessons from the book that helped improve my life are lesson one, one doubt hurts enough. Don't make your pain worse by dwelling on it. There's a great quote you might have heard, but whose origin is actually unknown. Quote, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional, unquote anonymous. It pretty much sums up the idea Hansen describes in the book, which says that we experience discomfort on two levels. The first level feels like being struck by a dart. It's a sudden pain, rush of pain, for example, from an accident, a disappointed expectation of failure or rejection. This kind of pain is normal. We all have to face it in our lives and there is not much we can do about it. Most of the time, however, we make it worse by throwing a second dart at ourselves because on how we physically and mentally react with the first dart. For example, when you crash with your bike, you might curse at the person that blocked your view or not instantly go to the hospital because you have an important meeting. All of these add suffering to the pain you already have but are entirely in your control. You don't have to do any of these. Instead, you can just accept the pain, do what's necessary to heal your wounds and get on with your life. 99% of the time, the second darts are a lot worse than the first ones because we keep throwing them long after the first dart has vanished. Lesson number two, quit the eternal rat race for more by practicing composure every day. Composure doesn't mean hiding your feelings. When you're composed, you stay with and experience your feelings just long enough to let them sink in without developing a permanent reaction to them. Doing your victory dance is just fine. When you instantly start to think about what's next, that's when it goes problematic. You can practice true composure by noticing when you feel particularly good or bad and then taking a short moment to just stay with the feeling for 20-30 seconds. This allows you to let it sink in while at the same time accepting that it's okay as it is without instantly chasing the next thing in your head. Lesson number three, reduce the suffering in your life by not identifying with so many things. What do Buddhist monks and death row prisoners have in common? They let go of their sense of self. At both ends of the spectrum, ultimate enlightenment and inevitable death, letting go replaces all suffering with peace, fulfillment and acceptance. But then again, a strong sense of self is important. You have to assert yourself and your right to be happy. What you think you are gives you continuity in life and helps you set yourself apart from other people. So no, leaving everything behind and living alone in the woods is not the solution. You simply have to tame your sense of self by not identifying with so many things. Every time you put the word I or mine in a sentence with something, you make its fate your own. Since everything in the world eventually comes to an end, over-identifying with things ultimately makes you feel like you face loss a lot and can thus make you depressed. I have totally run out of words, so all I'll say is that the science plus the practical tips Plus, the examples of results make Buddha's brain a pre-mindfulness and a post-mindfulness comparison with an included manual to go from A to B.